Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Coach Speak. I'm Matt Seidel, along with fellow hosts Derek Seidel and Josh Trope. Gentlemen, how is uh, everything going today? Doing, doing really well. Uh, super excited to be back and uh, get another episode of the podcast out. Uh, I'm excited to, uh, to see what we can do today. Doing well. You know, all this rain we've had, uh, just another reminder to all those multi-sport athletes that basketball is still the best. It's always 68 degrees and sunny in the gym. You know, it's a beautiful thing. Um, but I'm also, it also gave me a ton of time to be scrolling through Twitter today. I've been following the Storm Classic, you know, down in, or the brawl for the ball, I should say, down in Fort Wayne and trying to keep up with some of my other guys that are playing in Indy and um, just a lot of a lot of basketball, AAU basketball going on on Twitter right now. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. You know, we have an exciting show planned uh, for you uh, today as one of the, the area's high-profile coaches, Jesse Davis from Ypsilanti Lincoln High School. He's going to join us for a conversation on his journey, uh, and, it's, and it's definitely been a successful one. And I'm sure he'll offer a little bit of insight into coaching one of America's top players, Imani Bates. Uh, before we jump into that, though, we thought we might chat uh, a little bit about that topic Josh just referenced. It's kind of, kind of a hot topic surrounding high school basketball in Michigan right now, and that's the abundance of Michigan AAU teams driving south each weekend and playing in uh, these out-of-state events. Um, you know, I'll start. I mean, I, I don't know about you guys, but it's actually pretty frustrating for me. Uh, I'm not being able to use our own school gym and having to work kids out on an outdoor court. Uh, with rubber basketballs and bent rims. And uh, and then you see all these Michigan teams heading to Indiana every week to play in these AAU uh, tournaments. So it just doesn't feel right uh, from an equity standpoint, and it definitely doesn't seem right from a responsibility standpoint. But that's just kind of uh, it's just kind of where I am right now with it mentally. Derek, I know you're just getting started with workouts at Napoleon, but uh, what are your thoughts on this subject? Yeah, I uh, I definitely can relate to what you're saying. I think this is one I've been going back and forth on where it's like, I really don't, I don't know if this is the best move for us in the long run. I mean, if if, if this is causing the situation to be worse and spreading spreading the virus more and slowing down our return to the season, like, that's obviously not a good thing. But at the same time, I just, I understand the, you know, kids wanting to take advantage of the, the, the few seasons they get of, of AAU basketball and of high school sports and already having the, the basketball season or winter sports cut short and losing out entirely on the spring. I mean, you just kind of get the feeling like I got to take advantage of this. If you're, you know, if you're going to be a senior here, you don't know what your senior season is going to look like. You might be a kid who wants to get recruited. It's just, I, I understand the, the want to do it, but I also understand the concerns about, is this the right thing to do? So I, it, it's a, uh, it's a tough one. Yeah, absolutely. Josh, you actually come at it from, from a couple of different standpoints. You're, you're a, you're a varsity head coach. You've got some players going down and some not, and you're having to run those outdoor workouts. Uh, yeah, so that that's 68 and uh, 68 and uh, <laughs> no rain that didn't apply today. But but you're also coming up from a parent standpoint. You got uh, you got one young man who's going to be in the eighth grade, another one in the elementary school who are both basketball players, and and I know you're you're torn a little bit as well. So what are your thoughts on the subject? Yeah, you know I, it has been tough, especially for my son that's going into eighth grade. We have not let him go down and play. Um, and it's only because I, I don't feel like it's completely necessary at that age. Um, but I'll tell you, and, we, and we've talked about this, I know off air, if he was, a, if he was in high school and definitely if he was a sophomore, junior, senior, I, we would be down there playing. Um, I, I actually support the families and the kids that are down there playing. I don't blame them. I agree with Derek. Um, 
you know, you only get one shot at this. You get four years of high school and, and AAU is an awesome part of the experience. Um, so I, I applaud the families that are, that are doing it for their kids, the memories they're going to have. Um, I guess I'm with you, Matt. I'm, I'm frustrated that if, if we're going to not let high school teams in gyms and not let us coach our kids, um, then, then either shut it all down or if we're going to let kids go with AAU teams, I mean, wh- why not let us take our high school teams down there and play out of state then? What's the difference? I mean, I, I'm struggling with that, I guess, more than anything. Um, it just doesn't seem like there's really any consistency. Um, either, either we can play or we can't, right? I mean, I, I don't understand how if a dad coaches a team, we can do it. But if a high school coaches, coaches, you know, running the show, we can't do it. So I, I guess that's more of a fr- frustration um, for me. Um, but I, I, again, I, I think it's great that kids are going down and playing. I also have a younger son that's been playing baseball now for six weeks and even went out of state at the beginning of that. Um, I know that if we go back to phase three this week, which, you know, I, you hear the, gr- the, you know, the rumblings or the rumors that that might happen. Um, you know, their baseball coaches already talked about going back to Ohio then to play baseball. So, you know, I, it's, you know, it's an interesting time. I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer, but that, that's certainly how I feel. I, and I believe in the science. Like, I, I want to follow the science, but it's, it's it, you know, we've got our, the, uh, the, the, the upper part of Michigan is in, is in you know, phase five, and, and, and they're up there doing things inside gyms. And so it, their science is different than our science. And I get, you know, the population is, is there. But, and then, but Indiana, their science is different than our science, and they're, they're allowed to play. It's just uh, <laughs> we're kind of stuck in the middle where, again, uh, you know, if I get if I get one more B buzz my head during a basketball workout, I'm going <laughs> to slip out. But that's that's for another story. So great conversation. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. And, and speaking of good stuff, we are now joined on Coach Speak by Jesse Davis, coach of the still defending Class A state champion Lincoln Rail Splitters. Who, by the way, featured a pretty good player by the name of Amani Bates the past two seasons. Jesse, how's uh, how's life treating you these days? Everything's going well right now, uh, in spite of the pandemic and <laughs> quarantine and all that kind of stuff. But everything is good. That's good to hear. Good to hear. For those who may not know, Jesse is actually a two-time state championship coach. Uh, his Lincoln team won, of course, the 2019 Class A state title. But he was also an assistant on Milan's 2014 Class B state championship team, whose head coach at the time, by the way, was our own Josh Trope. Uh, Jesse, I believe, has been the head coach at Lincoln for five seasons. And prior to that, he was an assistant at Milan, uh, sounds like, for six years. And before that, he was an assistant at uh, Willow Run, Ypsilanti, and Lincoln. So he's, uh, he's got, got quite a resume for a young man. Although we did talk about that age, Jesse. I, I think it's 43, something like that. Is That's uh, yeah. not, not a young buck anymore. But, <laughs> <laughs> hey, first, uh, right right off the bat, I'm going to throw a softball at you. I should know the answer to this, but I, and I probably do, but I, I want to make I'm going to see if it's anything special. So a lot of people call you corn. And, and actually, I might be one of the few people that still calls you Jesse. Everybody refers to you as corn. Can you tell us what is is there a great story behind that? Or is that just really your name? Can you help tell us how that originated? Uh, it, 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 it's not it's nothing big behind it. No crazy stories or anything like that. Uh, my middle name is Cornelius. So my mom and dad 
just start calling me corn. I, I don't know why, but you know, just a lot of my a lot of my family members got nicknames, so they just started calling me corn, and it and it stuck. So I've been known to be corn since I can remember anything. Well, we're not gonna make fun of your middle name. Uh, your this guy's middle <laughs> name is Dean, and uh, Derek's middle name, by the way, is Milton. I don't know what Josh's middle name is, but maybe he'll share that with us. So. <laughs> My, mine's pretty simple. It's James, but uh, I, Jesse, it's always great to talk to you. And, and many people that were around the Milan program will be the first to admit that your uh, brains with the defense was why that we won that state title in 2014, um, which I think Matt's going to make fun of us about later in the podcast, considering uh, the score of one of our games this year. But uh, what, what I'd like to know is um, how's life changed for you in the last two years since Jalen Fisher hit that uh, state championship? Uh, buzzer beater um a lot of people know me you know I, I see a lot of faces in the grocery stores and you know at the gas stations and in all these different places and I, I don't have no idea who these people are but they always come up to me and and talk about the state championship run and and I didn't realize how many people in it in Ypsilanti that supported you know Lincoln High School you know, I, I meet a lot of alumni and people who's proud to, to see something happen um, in the community like that. But at the school that they they was uh, that they went to in high school, so it's it's changed a lot. But but I'm normal. You guys know me. I'm just a simple guy. I don't care to be in the limelight or you know show my face on every Instagram post and all that stuff. But you know, it's good. I mean, I'm I'm just happy to be in position that I am right now. Very good, and I, I, I agree with all that. I mean, you, you follow Jesse's Twitter account. I mean, he, he retweets a lot of things, and he promotes his players, but there's very little self-promotion, so that goes a lot long way in kind of uh, explaining who he is. But since we got you here, let's talk a little bit about this guy named Imani Bates. So just, just to recap, uh, <laughs> earlier this month, Imani, I, I think he announced, obviously, that he was, he was committing to Michigan State University and that he was going to be leaving Lincoln to attend a new local prep school, which I, I – Ipsy Prep Academy, although I've heard some other names. So, and this happened on ESPN with you know family and coaches present. And I must say, Corn, you uh you were looking pretty dapper on national TV that day. But, uh, so I, I had on my Lincoln gear, so that's what you call it dapper. Right. I guess my I guess my question is, uh, you know, what it's a couple couple questions. What what was that day like? That because it it seemed like that news just came out of nowhere, and then. You being kind of an insider, when did you find out that he was committing to MSU and that he was going to be leaving? Well, it was it was, um, it was exciting, you know, for him to <clears throat> be able to to make that announcement. I don't think he was big on a lot of the high major schools uh, radar because of you know his his status as far as a player um, being looked at as one of the the players that may enter the draft if they decide to open it up for high school players to go straight to the NBA. But it was exciting. Um, I knew a little bit about it. I didn't know the exact day that it probably would happen. But, you know, I got a call from EJ saying that they wanted me to be over there to, to represent Lincoln and, and that transition from him come, going from Lincoln to prep school. And, I, and we was excited just about him committing to, to Michigan State. Um, Michigan State has, has followed him since he was in the eighth grade, like seventh or eighth grade. Um, they always been committed to coming up to the school, watching them play during the off season. And um, 
it was just an exciting moment. It was it was it was good for uh, for the Lincoln, you know, being at Lincoln. It's good to see a you know somebody that come from Lincoln get a high major offer like that. That's pretty big. Right, right. Good deal. Good deal. Um, you know, with that, with the the new prep school being being established right here in in Washtenaw County, what what are your thoughts on that? And do you feel it's it's a good thing or a bad thing for Michigan high school basketball as a whole to have a a one of these kind of big name prep schools that's going to play a national schedule here in Washtenaw County? Um, I think it's a good thing. It's kind of something that it's something that never probably not not that I know of um, has been done before. So kind of big for for it to happen right here you know right up right up under us and um you know i'm excited for you know imani being able to get that get that opportunity that he's he's desired to play on the national stage um being able to compete against some of the best teams and, and players around the country um in that aspect i think it's a good thing um as far as coaching that these public schools will miss out on a lot of great players that come come in our areas or that grow up in our areas. We won't get those players because, you know, if they if that school runs for a long time and they and they have a lot of success, we won't get those players. So therefore our state tournament won't be as good. I mean, you guys watch and follow high school basketball, usually in those semifinals and finals, you see some of the best players that that ever play in Michigan, period. So in that aspect, it would be kind of bad because, you know, we, we won't be able to see those players if, if they're heavily recruited by, by prep school. Right. Um, but overall, I think it's a great opportunity. It's kind of something that we all looking forward to to see where it goes. And, you know, he, he they'll have my support, you know, as far as competing across the nation. I'm, I'm excited about being able to follow a team you know that plays across the nation, and they and they're sitting right right in our in our backyard. I think it's great for the area as well, Coach. I, I I'm so excited to see what this is going to be all about and the attention it's going to bring to good basketball that we have here in Michigan. Um, I I know both of my sons just think Amani's the greatest thing, and I, and that's a good thing. And most of their friends do. They all follow him. They try to get as much information as they can and watch his highlights. I mean, I I think that's that's common for a lot of players in the area even high school guys are, are very enamored with Amani so what I'm going to ask is we, we all know that he's a great competitor um he's got great fire on the court you know you shared some stories about his amazing like workouts before school even on a game day so obviously he has an incredible drive um he's extremely talented and skilled but what could you tell us um that maybe we don't know about Amani or what maybe these young guys could hear about Amani you inspire them to be better as well um, he's, he's, he's a normal kid. Like what most people don't understand is he just have this incredible drive about being really good at basketball. I mean, it's, it's something that we try to instill in our kids about work ethic and you could be whatever you want to be as long as you work at it, you study it, you know, it, it could be anything, but he just, he just different when it comes to that drive, man. He just, you just really want to be good at it. But off the court, he's pretty much a normal kid. Like he, you know, when he was younger, he used to come spend the night over my house and and just be a normal kid. Or I, I'll order him pizza. You know, he might need a, 
eat dang near a whole box of pizza, you know, just just with my with my boys, you know, Jesse and, and Jay Sean. But other than that, it's just it's just, he's pretty normal. He's, he's not over the top when it when he's off the court, he's smiling, joking, and and he's a family kid. He really enjoy being around his family. Like you would see him smile so much more uh, if you if you watch him engage with his family. Very good. You know, and it's nice of you to buy him some pizza. I think someday he might be buying you some prime rib, but we'll just see. hopefully that works out for him, keep him healthy. But, you know, working with a kid like Imani, I got to believe is a, is a once in a lifetime experience for a coach. And, you know, I, I hope you get another, another one like him uh, or two, but there had to be some challenges coaching him as well. And I'm not, I'm not alluding to him per his personality, but maybe that was a challenge, but just the distractions, surrounding your program i remember you talking to me the one time we had that little will run reunion about it but just uh i mean what what were the challenges of, of, of being his coach especially for those two years yeah definitely the attention is it was a little different because i wasn't used to cameras being on the court video and every moment of what we were doing um i could go back to our first game of the season um you know when he was a freshman it was a guy you know you guys may know that uh, E Buckets, Eric yeah. Buckets yep. you know, on Twitter. Yep. You know he was in our he was in our locker room. <laughs> and, you know I walk in the locker room like before our pregame. You know it's time for pregame. I walk in, I see Eric just sitting there with a video camera in his hand. I'm like, who is this guy? You know I'm just looking at him. I never met him before. And I look at, at EJ like, and EJ look at me. I'm like, who who is this guy? He's like, well, he he all right. He he kind of video and follows around, whatever, whatever. I was like, all right, if he's okay with you, I, he okay with me. And you know, he was one of those guys that stuck with us the whole time. So we, I trusted him. But you know, people start coming out of nowhere, just all over the place. You know, videoing, asking for interviews, and you know, I had no idea how big he was as far as you know how known he was. He He's famous to be yeah. 16 yep. years old. He's like really <laughs> famous. So that took some time to be, you know, adjusting to. We had to really sit down and talk about it during his, uh, you know, next year's fresh, I mean, sophomore year, going into a sophomore year, trying to, you know, get a little more security around us because, you know, people would wait, wait around after games, ask for autographs and pictures and stuff like that. So, you know, that was, probably the biggest thing for me to adjust to because I just I, I wasn't used to it I got used to it after a while like after a while I wouldn't even see those guys it, I was it would just be like normal it was like normal to me but yeah. but it was a challenge it definitely was a challenge with that as far as his personality of course it's always challenging to uh to coach a kid with such uh competitive spirit so you know it's always business for him like most people you know, going to practice. Most of our kids going to practice like, oh, let's have some fun. And, you know, us as coaches, we got our practice plan. We ready to go. We want to see that intensity. We want to make sure practice is the best practice of the year. But, you know, he's always in that mode. But it was kind of challenging some days to try to get everybody up to that level um, all the time. And, of course, you know, it's a, it's a lot of inside stories that I can't share with you guys. Yeah, I understand. I understand. Yeah, you know, the, up, the, up, the ups and downs <clears throat> as far as, you know, coaching basketball, getting your team to, to perform the best that they can be each game and each day. 
good deal. Yeah, so, I mean, I know obviously a lot of attention since, you know, Amani announced that, that he's going to be moving to the prep school has, has been on the prep school itself. Uh, but obviously Lincoln these past couple of years has really taken the next step. I mean, I remember even when I was in high school, there was there, there was D1 talent there, but just kind of at that point, I- Ipsy was really good and kind of just had, seemed to have Lincoln's number a little bit. But in, in Amani's freshman year, you guys definitely kind of took that next step. You're playing high-level competition in the non-league and everything like that. So what, uh, in your opinion, what is, what is life going to be like after Imani at Lincoln? Um, you know, the, you guys are moving over to the red division this year. So that's playing a few bigger schools and stuff. Uh, do you guys think that, uh, you can kind of keep, keep this momentum going or, or where do you think you'll be? Um, of course you lose the, the best, in my opinion, the best player in the country off your team. It's going to take away a lot, of course, uh, 30 points a game. So we got to figure out a way to replace that. But we do have some good guys coming up, Braylon Green, Simon Wheeler. And, you know, we, we have guys that, that, that played last year that's going to step in and, and fill those shoes. Of course, um, we won't have as much attention and, and stuff like that. But I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, like I said, those guys, they play AAU. They play all year round. They in the gym working out, sending me stuff, you know, every every week. Um, I just think, I, I think we'll be good. Um, of course, we won't be as good. Of course, you, you put a you take a player like that off your team. It's like kind of like taking LeBron James off of the Lakers. Right. I mean, he, you know, in, in high school, he's like in a LeBron. He's like a, a Michael Jordan or a Kobe or something like that. He just you know, it's it's, it's going to take a lot out of us, but I think we have a lot of good pieces returning. Um, I think we're going to be competitive. I think we're going we're going to uh, compete with all the all the teams in the state. I think we're going going to be just as good, just as athletic. We just won't have as much size. Well, I know Coach Trope is really heartbroken that you guys aren't in the white division anymore. So he's, <laughs> I think he's uh, he's petitioned to get you guys back in. We'll see no, how that no. goes. I think we're good. I think we'll just scrimmage, Coach. So, um, <laughs> Uh, just to kind of transition away from um, the Imani questions and things like uh, that, Coach, um, you're obviously a great coach. You got a couple state titles. You, you were, you know, you were a great player at Willow Run and, and overseas and and all of those things. But um, one of the things I've been really lucky to see um, as I've gotten to know you as a friend and as a coach, and um, you know, in the early 2000s when we started coaching together at Ipsy, and then when you joined me at Milan, um, and even you know since I've I've been at Chelsea and you've been at Lincoln, you're a better dad even than you are a coach. And, and you're, you're a great man. And, and one of the things you've had to go through is, is probably every parent's worst nightmare. Um, and not only have you, you handled it well, you, you've, I, I'd say you've, you've been a role model for anybody that's got to deal with a child going through battles with cancer. And I know that, that Jesse, the first time he had it, he was three. And he's had it with non-Hodgkin lymphoma four times. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Yeah, and, and I mean, I remember the last time is when I was at Chelsea and you were at Lincoln and he was, you know, going through his junior and senior year. And um, I guess the, the most important question, are things are things going well still? And is, is he healthy? And when I saw him this winter, it seemed great. Um, how are things for Jesse? Oh, it's going great. I mean, he, he's, he's healthy. Weight is good. Size, everything is going good. He just had a, uh, a scan uh, about a month ago. And everything came back clean, no uh, signs of, of cancer or anything like that. So, 
you know, I'm I'm just I'm excited about that. I'm always excited when he's when he's doing well. I really don't show it that much because um, I try to make sure he live as normal as possible and not, you know, keep his eyes on the things that's going on with him. But but uh, he's he's good. He got a got a new car. You know, he he bought on his car himself, so he's that's doing great. some of the. The things as like a oh, man, he's growing up so fast. It's just kind of crazy because I remember when when he was little, running around the gym and stuff like that. But um, he's yeah. doing well. He's growing up, growing up. I, I know that. Um, you know, I I gotta imagine. Um, it, it's made you a better coach and a better mentor to young men and 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 even parents to be able to to keep things in perspective that way. You've always been a humble coach and a humble man, but I gotta imagine. You know. Go, seeing Jesse, you know, fight those battles and, and for you and your wife to go through that with him. And I, I got to imagine that's, that's helped a lot. And um, one of the other things that I, you were light years ahead as, as far as, you know, what, what's going on in, in our society right now with, with Black Lives Matter, you, you were such a great mentor and role model to our kids at Milan, you know, because we did have a very diverse team, we had a very diverse staff. And, and even though we were very close and our staff was, you know, there was times there was friction with the kids. And I, and I thought, you know, you, you were such a great leader in that role as well. You know, and I'll, I'll never forget, you know, hey, we all bleed the same color. It was something you'd say to kids all the time when there was friction. And, and I, I just, um, I mean, if you want to speak about what Jesse's gone through or what you guys have gone through with him or, or any of those other things, you know, I, I think our listeners would love to hear um, your perspective from, and how it's helped you be a better coach. Yeah, um, just being humble, man. I mean, people take so many things for granted, and kids, you know, uh, I'm, I'm a coach, and I also coach my kids. But when 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 kids are out there playing, they just want to have some fun first and foremost. They just want to be able to enjoy the game. I think a lot of times these, you know, parents take away the fun from the game because every parent thinks they're going to get scholarships and do this and do that and, you know, do all these different great things with the game. But I, I just try to enjoy my kids, you know, and, and, and watch them grow up in this time. Like once they get older and, and you know, decide that they want to leave, it's pretty much you don't see them every day anymore. So I, I I would just say enjoy it, you know, whether they get scholarships or not, just enjoy the kids as much as possible. And with Jesse going through all the things that he went through, it kind of taught me to just – I got a five-year-old right now. So I'm trying to watch everything that he does. Like, he loves to draw. I cultivate that. I, I, I put energy into it. I buy as much paper and markers mm-hmm. and all the things that he likes because he enjoy it. I want him to enjoy his life and and know that I support him no matter what. So, you know, it just kind of taught me that throughout the years because we've been going through it for a while. So, and he's still healthy. So I just stayed in prayer. I thank God for, for being able to, you know, keep him as long as, as you know, healthy as long as he, he's been so far. Uh, I just, I, I just try to enjoy life. And as far as the Black Lives Matter and bridging that gap between kids, um, I remember that when we was at Milan. Um, we would sit, I remember we was in practice and we were standing in the circle and we was kind of watching the kids and we saw the black kids go to one side and the white kids go to the other side. And uh, and we talked about it. And, and, you know, I just wanted them to 
understand that dialogue is probably the biggest thing that that need to be done between blacks and whites. If we understood or or agreed to disagree sometimes or brought things to the table a little bit more, then we can gain more of an understanding uh, of each other. Not not necessarily taking someone else's word. And I think a lot of people, that's what people do. They, you know, it's, it's black people out there that says, you know, white folks is this, or white people say black folks is like this. But until you get to know a person um, and speak with them and see where they're coming from, you know, you never know what kind of person you're dealing with. And I think that's the problem with our society now. It's just more of, you know, we need to be able to talk to each other and dialogue and, and, and judge people by the actions that they, you know, the actions that they take, not necessarily how they walk or how they look or how they sound. And, you know, it's all different kinds of things that we, we, uh, we judge people on. I think people need to just relax a little bit you know, learn to talk to each other, speak to each other, greet each other in peace, and 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 a, and a lot of times things will go good for you. Yeah, that's that's, that's great. Hey, Jeff, I'm gonna I'm gonna let me ask you this question. If you have if you remember this, and, and um, I'm gonna be impressed, but do you remember we, we drove to Lansing Community College or Grand Rapids Community College after your senior season in 1995? And I, I and we may have gone to both, but I don't remember exactly which trip it was. But I asked you if you even ever considered like getting into teaching. Do you you remember that conversation? Yeah, I remember. And, I remember. And I you it, it didn't it didn't <clears throat> I didn't feel like it sparked anything in you because we had a good conversation about it. But I just remember thinking, man, because you know I I loved our staff at Willow Run and I loved our kids at Willow Run. But, you know, we had we really had a we had an all white staff teaching predominantly uh, an African-American, you know, student body. And we just need, you know, I just like we needed more African-American role models for, for kids, especially in the Ypsilanti area. And to hear you and Josh talk about the impact that you had at Milan, the impact you've had with your son, the impact, you, you know, I know that you've had at Lincoln. It's just amazing that I mean, you might not be a classroom teacher, but dude, you're, you're a teacher. I mean, you've been as a coach, you're a teacher. And the impact you're having is really impressive, and it's something you should be proud of. So, um, just Thank you, man. Sure I appreciate it. Yeah, if I'm gonna I, like, I rem- go ahead, go ahead. I, rem- I remember that day because I just wanted to say I, I appreciate you and Josh. You know, being up under you guys, your tutelage as far as uh, showing me a different way of how the game go. I wouldn't been able to, to win a state championship and use some of the things that. I learned a lot from you guys. So I use a lot of the things, the tactics and things that you guys use as, as preparing my team to be ready. I think that's the biggest thing I learned from you guys, that preparation is everything. But that day, I never knew I was going to be a coach. Like me and you talked about it. And, and as much as like we didn't really understand each other as far as you on your end and you know, a lot of black kids that you, that you deal with, you impacted us so much when we were in high school. We didn't know how to play basketball the way you was trying to teach us, but we decided as a group to do what you asked us to do. And we saw the program was Willow Run uh, basketball turn all the way back around and we start winning again. And you guys won district and went to the quarterfinals. Like you did a lot of things that, we didn't, we didn't really understand. But once we figured out that you was really for us and understood us, things turned around so fast. So, 
you know, I I, I appreciate you. I, yeah. I wouldn't be the same person without without having you uh, as a coach. Well, that's good. The feelings mutual. Those were fun times. But I, like I said, I'm going to lighten things up a little bit. I, I I can't let this podcast go without bringing this up. You know, we've got Jesse Davis, who who might as well have been the Gary Payton of high school basketball when he played. I mean, he <laughs> he was a he was the glove. He was a defensive stud, and we. And and he gets all, and he gets credit from Coach Trope for his defensive contributions to the Milan State Championship. And then we got a veteran coach like Coach Trope, who I assume has some experience in game planning defenses. But this past February, you two guys coach against each other, and and the final and the final score is one hundred eight to one hundred two, Lincoln over Chelsea in double overtime, and Amani Bates gets sixty three points. Can either of you, can either of you shed some light on this game, which clearly instituted social distancing defense before it became a national trend? Oh, man, I, I'm going to go first. Um, I can say that was probably one of the most exciting games I ever coached. I mean, I'm a defensive guy. And and as much as I was on the on the sideline pulling my hair out, I was enjoying the ball go in from both teams. It was just like it was so exciting, man. And then and then we went to overtime. You know, I'm yelling and going crazy. But when I really sat down and we looked at the film again, I wanted to watch the game again. I'm like, man, like we were just going back and forth. Both teams didn't want to lose. So it was and and I guess the, the, the rim, you know how they say when the ball is going in, it looked like an ocean. <laughs> that game, the ball was going in like like we the kids were shooting in the ocean, especially Imani Bates. <laughs> yeah, well, well, well said, Coach. I, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, nobody ever wants to lose a game, but that was one of those games. I walked in the locker room, and and even my guys were smiling, and my staff. I mean, we were upset that we lost for a, a second. But it was one of those games that, like, you know, 20 years from now, you're going to remember where you were, and you'll remember that game. You might remember that more than anything else. And um, right. obviously having an Imani Bates drop 63, you know, <laughs> obviously, and we'll see him in the NBA at some point. We'll help you remember that. But, yeah, that was that was definitely the most exciting game I've ever been a part of. And uh, believe it or not, not Jesse will tell you, we actually tried to guard Imani, but <laughs> we couldn't. Hey, we tried to guard you guys, too. Um <laughs> 16 three-pointers in one game. Oh my god. That's that's probably the most game. I've ever seen. Yeah. I have I've never I've never coached against a team, probably never played against a team that hit 16 threes in one game, man. Those yeah. guys was was lighting it up that night. People got their money's worth that night, no doubt. Definitely, definitely. I remember I was uh, I was driving home on the bus from one of the long trips in the Big Eight, and I, I remember seeing that one on Twitter. I'm like, that has to be a typo. Like, I, I refreshed the screen, like, what? 108, 102? That cannot be possible. But right, sure enough, it was. But uh, my my question for you, Jesse, is um, obviously you've you had the I don't know if it's a it's a bit fortunate thing or not, but you got to play for for my dad back in the 90s, uh, I think probably before I was born or right about when I was born. And I got to play for him growing up. But I know I've heard a few stories from, from you guys and some of the some of the other players that have played for me. He, he was uh, uh, not the most calm guy back then, I hear. So I just, I just wonder, what was it like playing for him? And then obviously, I think you got your, your coaching started a little bit under him. And, and I know Josh Trope's bench is never calm. So I'm just curious what your, what your experience has been playing for my dad and then coaching with both, both Josh and, and Matt. Uh, over the years oh man well when I first made it to the varsity level I, I was on 
JV. I was a sophomore when they brought Sido in at Willow Run. And, you know, he coached Bostoff and Lamanzer, uh, Lamanzer Williams. And I got to watch those guys play. And, uh, you know, they, they they were different, man. They they were something different than what we were used to. We were just used to, like, a lot of running and gunning and scrambling and all over the place type basketball. But we were winning that way. But it was just kind of crazy a little bit. But with Saito coming in, it was it was more of a structure. He had an idea, a vision of how things, he wanted things to go. And, and honestly, my junior year, I wasn't used to him. So I didn't like him at first, to be honest with you guys. <laughs> I really didn't like him. But, you know, we went through a lot of ups and downs in, in, in my junior year. He did see something in me that I didn't see in myself. Uh, he had other guards that were seasoned guards, played on varsity, and he would he would throw me in there to play in those tough games. He, he always threw me in there. And, um, you know, I figured it out my senior year. Going to my senior year, I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what this guy asked me to do. I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. And, and we had a lot of success. I think we won the league that my senior year. That was the first time in, like, a long time, maybe 20 years or something like that. But it was tough playing for him. I mean, he he slammed a lot of chairs, broke broke a bunch <laughs> of clipboards, and all kinds of stuff. But 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 we knew he was serious. Like that let us know. Like we wanted to know that our coach was serious about playing the game and winning games too. So you know, it, it brought it brought a lot of fire in, in in us when he would get fired up. It, it, I remember one thing. I don't want to be too long winded, but one game we played against Ifty High. We started off the game, and Ipsy, like, went on this crazy run on us. Like, they well, – we thought it was crazy, but they went up 9-0 on us. And Coach Seidel called a timeout, and he probably said 100 curse words in, in a couple <laughs> minutes. You know, just kind of lit into us so much. And we went back on that court, man, and I think we, we went – and I still got the paper today, like – clipping in the, in the uh, paper. Uh, we went on a 33-0 to zero run on Ypsilanti wow. after that timeout. So I've never seen that done before. But and that, was a, that was a Rex Stanzak coach team, too, by the way. Oh, man. Well, I, don't like, remember, we, I don't remember the curse words, Jesse. I, I'm not – I have no <laughs> recollection of that. But I, you know, we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, like, he was a great coach. I mean, I, I always say that. I, I respect him a lot. Um, and as far as Coach Trope, man, you know, Trope helped me um, take coaching to a different level. Um, Trope is one of the hardest working coaches I've ever coached up under and coached with. Like, he's the, he's the ultimate, always in the books. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he stay up to 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning. And I don't do that. I wouldn't be surprised if he stay up all night trying to figure out what to do, what to what to say, all kinds of stuff, trying to get his stuff together for uh for practice. But but he's he's the ultimate guy when it comes to hard work. And, and that's one thing I learned. When I when I, I said once I get my own program, I was gonna work just as hard or even harder than Coach Trope. I always knew that when my find, when I found myself kind of being lazy and I don't really want to go through film today. I thought about Coach Trope. And this is – I'm serious. I'm telling the truth. I that. thought about him. I knew he would be 
in there watching film, making sure he broke stuff down, getting his scouting reports together, making sure his team was prepared to play. So I, I, I learned a lot from those guys uh, growing up in the game, playing-wise and coaching-wise. Appreciate the kind words. Um, I, I have one question for you, one last question that I have for you. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Who Uh-oh. wins – the 2014 Milan State Champs or the 2000 Lincoln State Champs head to head, who gets it done? Ooh, we got oh, the, we got Latin Davis and Nick Perkins and and, and 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 the boys, or or does my or does uh, Lincoln get it done? Oh man, oh you put me on the spot for real with this. One. I think about that question all the time. Um, I'm gonna say. Uh, the Lincoln 2019, <laughs> and, this, and this is the this is the reason you gotta why. Give us a reason, yeah. Go Good ahead. answer. Good I, answer. I, I, this, this is the reason why, because we have Imani Bates. Yeah, I get it. That's I get the it. reason why. But Latin Davis and Nick Perkins and you know Novak and all those guys, man. You know that's when I found out how your team has to be special in order to win the whole thing. Like, they have to believe in each other. They have to believe in the coaches. You know, you can't have one person on the outside. And from our bench, the last guy on the bench to the to the top guys, those guys were together. So, yep. so that's what that's that's all I've been teaching. That's that's every, from ever since then. I understood um, team basketball was was going to be the thing, and and and, uh, and and I got it done. With the well, those guys got it done in 2019. Just because of that, I understood how how much they needed to uh, to be together to win. But I'm gonna go with the 2019. <laughs> I don't you know, blame you. In, in that game, Imani would have probably had to have 50, but because we knew Latin Davis and Nick Perkins was gonna get 50, so we well, had to well, have well, guy to at least get 50. We both we both know 63 is even a possibility against Coach. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. Hey, Jesse, we really appreciate you taking time out to talk with us. I mean, you you were an outstanding player, incredible start to your coaching career, and you're an even better person and father, as was alluded to earlier. So we wish you good luck down the road, um, and, and let's definitely stay in touch. Thank you. I appreciate you all having me on. Thanks. Thanks, Corn. Okay, well, in other news, uh, off topic a little bit, but there there are reports out there that one of professional sports power couples uh, may be on the fritz or is definitely on the fritz. Josh, I know uh, you're a big entertainment tonight kind of guy, so I'm going to let you uh, take this, but uh, uh, do you care to elaborate a little bit on what we're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I guess this would be our TMZ portion of the uh, podcast. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's been confirmed through uh, Instagram. Danica Patrick and Aaron Rodgers are done. Um, so big breakup in the athletic world. Um, and, it, you know, it had me thinking, you know, first off, it had me thinking, do you think she dumped him because he couldn't chug a beer? Or maybe there was <laughs> other reasons. I don't, I don't know. But, um, but needless to say, um, I, you know, it got me thinking on – what schools in the area should break up with their leagues? You know, there's been a big shift in leagues. The KLAA's jumped around a lot. Uh, we, we just got done talking to Jesse about Lincoln jumping to the white. 
um, or the red, I'm sorry. And Dexter will be switching with Ypsilanti after this season. Uh, Ypsilanti will come back to the white, and Dexter the red. So it just got me thinking, hey, this might be the time. Maybe we need a, a league and a, a school breakup. So I'm going to put you guys on the spot a little bit here. Um, but, Derek, what do you think? What school should break up with their league? All right, all right. Let's see. I think that's a it's an interesting question. I uh, one thing that I'll note with that is that I feel uh, the league I coached in last year, the Big Eight, and uh, the the new league that I landed in now in the Cascades. I feel like geographically and, and everything, and the the schools themselves, the sizes work out well. So I really don't know that there's a candidate in either of those leagues um, that that really works. The one that I guess would come to mind for me would possibly be Milan. I know, Josh, you've got uh, plenty of experience there playing in the Huron League. Uh, it always it never made sense to me. Again, I'm from Dexter, so maybe that plays a role. And it's like it's, they always felt like a team that could be in the SEC, and I believe maybe they were at least in the state. I don't know if it was called the SEC, but they were in the league with a lot of those SEC teams in the past. Um, and rather than playing all those downriver schools, I, I kind of feel like maybe they could fit in. Um, I don't know whether it would be in the red or the white, probably the white side of things. Uh, if they're a little smaller, right, they'd fit on that side. So that would be my – my thought for it off the top of my head. Matt, what do you think? I, I, I Obviously, Derek, uh, I have an opinion about that, which I'll share in a minute. But, <laughs> but uh, what, what do you think, Matt? I think, you know, there's two that come to mind. One really isn't local, but it, it's kind of local for me where I work in Olivet. But it's it's Paloma Westphalia, who's a state power in football and boys basketball and girls basketball, for that matter. They're in a, a conference called the CMAC. And no offense, but they, they've outgrown the CMAC. And not necessarily in numbers, but just in competitive uh, competitiveness. I mean, they're, I'm not going to call anybody out, but there are football schools in that conference that weeks four, five, and six will just kind of let PW know on a Monday that they don't have enough players to play on Friday. They'll forfeit games because they just, you know, it's going to be a running clock by the second half, and they're just so much better. Uh, we would love to get them into the uh, the Greater Lansing Activities Conference where Olivet is, um, even though I'm not sure all my coaches agree with that, but I think what a, what a, uh, you know, a piece they would be for that league. The only other one that kind of comes to mind, but I don't really have a solution, is Whitmore Lake. And I know they just left the Tri-County, I think, and they're in the, this, this independent conference. So, but they're, you know, they're playing schools from uh, Sterling Heights and Bloomfield Hills and Westland. And it seems like, it seems like uh, I don't know, some of the smaller schools in the Ann Arbor area, uh, whether it's charter or public or private, could make up a, a conference maybe of small B's and, and class C schools. It seems like it'd be a better fit for them. They've just never been able really to find a good fit. I, I did not see that Whitmore Lake answer coming. That's impressive and kind of hits close to home. I, at my assistant this year, Ryan Masters, just became the varsity coach there, varsity boys coach. And, uh, yeah, he's going to have a lot of, a lot of travel on Tuesday nights and Friday nights when he's on the road. There's no question yeah, about that. Um, so I, I'm going big. I'm, I, you know, I'm going to jump on and piggyback with Derek. Um, I, I think no question, Derek, you know, I think Milan would be a great fit for the SEC white, uh, which would then take them to seven teams, um, which is not a great number, but the Huron leagues would love to get rid of Milan. They could pick up an Allen park or a Trenton or somebody down river. That's a better fit. Um, and we'd love to have Milan and you are correct. They used to be in the SEC. So, so then, I would go a step farther and I would go grab that Catholic school to the East Ann Arbor Gabriel Shard. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's time for them to leave the Catholic league. They, they're, they're not really centrally located. Um, they're a better fit in this area. Uh, I think that um, athletically and numbers wise, they're a great fit for the SEC white. We'd love to have them. 
a great example of a Catholic school being a fit in a public league would be St. Mary's Catholic Central down in the Huron League. They've been a great fit. Um, and I think, you know, that would, you know, they're competitive at everything. Um, I, I just think they'd be a great fit. And that would give eight teams to the SEC White, which would be outstanding. And then I'd like to see Belleville get added to the SEC Red. I, I think that would be good stuff. I mean, I, I know that uh, Adam Trumper would no longer like to be in the KLAA. Right. You know, Basketball-wise, he'd love a piece of the, the three Ann Arbors. And, and uh, you know, I think it'd be a good fit there, too. So um, I think I'd get a little trouble with all, with all my Catholic friends. I, mean, I probably would not be considered a good Catholic anymore. You know, we don't believe in divorce, so we shouldn't be breaking up teams and leagues. But, <laughs> I, again, <laughs> I, think, I think Gabe Richard and, and, and Rex Stanzak would be a great fit for the SEC White. Yeah, I, I think those are some interesting things. The, the Bell Bell thing is really intriguing. I, I, Jake Fosdick might have a difference of opinion there. I think he's, he's probably going to have if, – if you add Bell Bell to the already Ann Arbor schools and Lincoln's going to be in there now too, yeah, it would be time for Celine to probably they'll, – they'll go to the KLA maybe. But so, uh, yeah, all good stuff, all good stuff. And, and poor, uh, poor Aaron Rodgers. I did see him on a Game of Thrones episode recently, so I, I forgot he was an extra in one of those that was – He's on. He's on Game of Thrones. I think he did. I think he was an extra. I think uh, my, my, okay. my youngest son pointed that out. So, okay. Well, that concludes this episode of Coach Speak. Derek and Josh, as usual, thanks for your outstanding insight. Uh, we appreciate everyone tuning in, and we look forward to connecting with all of you later this week when we talk to five-time state championship coach Josh Baker, formerly of Southfield Christian and Romulus High Schools, who is now the special assistant to the head coach at the University of Alabama under Nate Oates. What a, what, a, what a gig that must be. I can't wait to learn more. Until then, everyone, uh, stay safe, mask up, and peace.